<laughs> You're listening to the Foundation Podcast. This is The Chase, bringing you everything you need to know about policies affecting you, your family, and your community. I'm Andrew Brown. And I'm James Quintero. And welcome back to another exciting episode of The Chase. James, some big news from the governor's mansion just broke. That's right. Governor Abbott has just issued an executive order stipulating that in two days time, local governments will no longer be allowed to require masks. And those that do could be subject to a fine of up to $1,000. So we are on the cusp of mask freedom, sir. How does it feel? Oh, it feels great. It feels <laughs> my face. I, I haven't seen your mouth in like months. Well, it, it, <laughs> you haven't been brushing your teeth, apparently. <laughs> oh, man. Hit a man where it hurts, sir. Hey, you don't have to. Why? <laughs> well, between you and me, I can I can honestly say uh, I've been enjoying mass freedom for actually a long time. So, so oh, the governor's go EO is certainly welcome, but uh, I've been on the other side of that hill for quite a while. How do you think the tiny tyrants are feeling right now? Uh, toothless, hopefully. Way to bring it back. You're welcome. Way to bring it back. You're welcome. I'll be here all day. <laughs> the other big news is we are less than two weeks away from signy die. It's the 127th day of session. There are some big deadlines coming up. Saturday, May 22nd, last day for House committees to report Senate bills. So if you have a Senate bill that you care about and it's in a House committee, you better hurry. Tuesday, May 25th, last day for the House to consider Senate bills on second reading, meaning your Senate bill has to get off the House floor by Tuesday, May 25th, or it is dead. We are hearing intel that the Calendars Committee is going to meet Sunday to decide on the final floor calendars. So you have less time than you think you do. And then finally, Wednesday, May 25th, the last day for the Senate to consider all bills on second or third reading. So we are down to the wire. James, what are you watching as the deadlines approach? So here's a here's a small bill that makes a lot of sense in my mind, which means it's having a, a you know, it's had a heck of a time at the legislature where common sense doesn't always win the day, but there's a bill out there, SB 1168, just got placed on local in consent. And what the bill would do is it would disallow home rule cities from imposing fees and fines on people living in the ETJ when they have either disannexed or rejected a petition for an election. So if a group of people in the ETJ basically tell a city to bugger off, that city can no longer impose fees and fines. And uh, the bill, again, SB 1168, has made quite a bit of progress. Uh, it's already been kicked out of the Senate. It's over in the House, been referred to local and consent. So uh, it's nearing the finish line. It isn't quite there yet. But if it does, it's going to be a pretty good-sized win for property rights and folks looking for ETJ reform this session. Now, there's been a few really good disannexation bills that got popped in the House on local and consent. Do you see that happening with this bill or does this have a little bit more uh, support around? It? Well, you never say never with the, uh, the circus in town, but I feel pretty good with where we are. Um, I can tell you that there has been quite a bit of cross. Uh, there's been bipartisan support Right. I think folks on both sides of the issue recognize 
that at least in this instance with with respect to the bill language here you know there's some really unfair things happening that this bill seeks to address and so uh you know i'm hopeful that lawmakers are going to come down on the right side on this one well, we'll be watching that closely uh, any other priorities that are moving on your side of that? Yeah, another really good bill moving through the process, again, nearing the finish line is SB 14. And this is a big local employment preemption bill uh, that would basically uh, really do the yeoman's work in terms of uh, disallowing cities from imposing regulations uh, that really interfere with the employee-employer relationship. So I'm thinking of things like mandatory paid sick leave, predictive scheduling. Um, you know, there's there's actually quite a bit of, of stuff that fits into this box. And SB 14 would bring some uniformity and predictability to uh, the employment scene at a time where we really need it. And so uh, this one is in the calendars committee at the moment hoping it gets set uh, for debate later this week and we get some really good business-friendly legislation across the finish line this session. I was coming out of the Capitol earlier today and there were some people on the steps yelling about that bill. Do you expect fireworks? Uh, well, you know, you've got the progressives and the DSA types very much aligned against this bill because they feel like they ought to have the power to meddle in that relationship. You know, in the in the minds of these folks, government knows best. Um, but I, I think there's very clear evidence to suggest otherwise and that a free market approach is the right approach in this case, uh, because believe it or not, employers don't want to kill or harm their employees. Imagine, kind of a novel concept. Imagine that the people that yep. you depend on the most, you don't want to do bad. Bye. Indeed. What's <laughs> happening in your world? We've got a lot of priorities actually moving. I was going through the list today, and this has been a stellar session for families. Uh, House Bill 567, that was our priority CPS reform bill, uh, authored by James Frank in the House, sponsored by Brian Hughes in the Senate, made it all the way through, becomes law on September 1st. There's a lot of great things in that bill um, that we've been working on for a number of years you know, the thrust of it is fewer kids entering the foster care system, more families getting the support that they need to stay together um, and be strong. Very positive, positive change coming to Texas. Few other bills. House Bill 3041 is on the Senate intent calendar right now. That is a bill that brings our child welfare system into compliance with something called the Family First Prevention Services Act. Long and short of it, the federal government changed some rules that allows us to use Title IV-E dollars on services designed to keep kids out of foster care. Really positive development um, in not removing kids from their families and helping families stay together. House Bill 3041 is basically Texas's plan to comply uh, with that new federal legislation that is right on the cusp of passing the Senate and heading to the governor's desk. House Bill 2374, this is our efficiency audit of the Department of Family and Protective Services, essentially would require the department to do an efficiency audit every four years to make sure that the taxpayer dollars we're spending are actually generating the best outcomes for the kids that DFPS is serving. That one is on the Senate local and uncontested calendar for May 19th, so we are very hopeful that that one will pass and head to the governor's desk as well. 
House Bill 2926, I call it the Redeemed Parent Bill. This is a bill that would allow courts to reinstate the rights of parents who have had their rights previously terminated for kids who are at risk of aging out of foster care. The, the common example of how this would work is, you know, say you had a parent who was struggling with a substance use disorder and they ended up getting their parental rights terminated. They've gone to treatment. They've turned their lives around. They're a positive, upstanding member of society. That kid is still in foster care and is at risk of spending the rest of their life in foster care. If the court finds that that parent has actually remedied the situations that led to the termination, that they're willing and able to provide the care for the child, they can restore that parent-child relationship. About half the states have a reinstatement statute on the books. Texas would just be following in their footsteps. Really, really positive bill. Actually, one of my favorite bills this session um, generated some substantial bipartisan support. You know, kind of a heartwarming thing of, you know, recognizing that people can change and giving folks second chances at parenting. Um, last two bills are Senate bills. Senate Bill 1578 uh, reforms the use of medical professionals who diagnose child abuse. Uh, there have been some issues with that in Texas recently. There was an NBC News investigative report about how these medical professionals were falsely accusing families um, and kids were being removed into foster care when they had an underlying medical condition that was being confused for abuse or neglect. Uh, 1578 reforms how that works, requires second opinions in those circumstances so that we can make sure that a child is getting the medical care that they need and that their medical condition is not being confused with uh, an intentional harm to that child. Um, that's Senator Kolkhorst's bill. That's on second reading in the House on Thursday, May 20th. And finally, another Senator Kolkhorst joint, Senate Bill 1896 is a comprehensive foster care reform bill. It passed House Human Services Committee today and is on its way to the House floor. Does a number of things to bring our foster care system into compliance with a federal court order and really just improve a lot of things that had been going wrong for a number of years. So a great bill by Senator Kolkhorst. It looks like it's on its way uh, to making it to the governor's desk as well. Can I just say that is an impressive list, sir, with a lot of good wins for Texas families. But but when you look at that list and when you look at the, the wins that your team is about to get and you compare it to, let's say, my team and our wins, would you, which list would you say is longer? You know, I'm enjoying my list right now. I'm feeling good. <laughs> okay. you know. Just check. All just I checking. do is win, win, win. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has been a really positive session um, for child welfare reform and for families in Texas. And really that is due to the members in the building who have paid attention to this over the last several years, who have dug in and done the hard work. And it really is hard work working in this system is challenging. You're faced with incredibly horrific stories um, on both sides of the issue, and it's a complicated system to tinker with. And the members who have been involved with this have done absolute yeoman's work on getting into the details, on working with providers, on working with families, on working with advocates. And I could not be happier for how this session uh, has turned out. And I am very hopeful for the future of child welfare in the state because of how the 87th legislature has approached the topic. Well, and, and just to compliment that thought, you know, I think the legislature is getting ready to make a lot of big moves. Of course, 
you know, we have two weeks left. Anything can happen in these final moments. But but the lawmakers seem poised to do some big things uh, on emergency powers, on economic development, on perhaps uh, taxpayer-funded lobbying. We'll You're see. getting ready to get some big moves and big wins, I think. I, I think so. But, but you know... Not everything that uh, that we're asking for is going perfectly. Uh, certainly, there's room for improvement, especially on the taxpayer-funded lobbying front. Or to that point, <laughs> yes. what up with SB10? Well, so we've been able to really, I think, help champion some strong legislation out of the Senate that would have applied to cities and counties. Of course, the big missing. Uh, puzzle piece there is school districts, and I think there's certainly plenty of room to uh, 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 you know to advance reform in that direction. Of course, uh, to answer some of my critics on the right, who again I don't think are wrong, but when you when you say let's ban taxpayer funded lobbying, what you've effectively done is pick a fight with every local government type and every Austin lobbyist, and so that's always been a very uh, large ask. And so what I think the Senate did well this time is try to divide and conquer. And, uh, and so their bill would apply to registered lobbyists who lobby on behalf of cities and counties and would basically prohibit that activity. And that is the bill as it came over from the Senate. Now, what ended up happening is the bill got referred to the House State Affairs Committee, who I think has done a fine job on other pieces of legislation. Uh, unfortunately, on this bill... What ended up happening is the bill got rewritten in a lot of ways, and in 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 some ways, it was actually an improvement, right? And so um, the bill, instead of applying to only cities and counties, actually got expanded out to all local government types that effectively levy a tax, um, and it also got expanded to include some really strong transparency measures. Um, it included some specific prohibitions on reimbursement for things like food, entertainment, uh, beverages, right? And so really tighten the restrictions uh, on some really questionable stuff that's been happening over the years. Now, here's where we kind of fall apart because <laughs> there's always that Where's one the but? But. <laughs> and unfortunately, in this case, what it did is at the very beginning of the bill, it includes a huge loophole for lawyers. And what I mean is that uh, it, it, the very first provision of the bill stipulates that if an attorney has a relationship with, uh, with a local government, that attorney is effectively uh, not required to register with the TEC as a Chapter 305 lobbyist thereby excluding them from all of the good government requirements included in the remainder of the bill. Well, you know, not that many lobbyists are also attorneys. <laughs> you know? And so because there is this monster carve-out for lawyers only, it basically just guts the remainder of the bill. It makes it uh, utterly useless and so what we're encouraging our friends to do, because I believe this bill is going to get through calendars committee and come up for a floor vote, perhaps later this week, perhaps next week, at some point in the near future is coming up for a vote. What we're encouraging our friends to do is to get that provision out so that we can actually pass meaningful legislation 
that is uh, that is effective and that doesn't have a huge loophole in it, if we're not able to get that provision out, then I think it's very clear we need to vote against Senate Bill 10. This is not something that we need in law. It will actually harm the situation and it will push a lot of this activity under the cover of darkness. Um, because again, these folks aren't going to be required to register as lobbyists with TEC. There's not going to be any of those reporting mechanisms in place. In fact, you're going to incentivize the lobby to become uh, more of the lawyerly type, no offense. Uh, and so it's just a bad situation overall. If we're not able to get that provision out, then Senate Bill 10 should be voted down, which is a really tough thing for me to say. I've invested almost, I don't know, four years of my life into this project and uh, to now be nearing the finish line. But with the bill in the condition that it is, it just, it doesn't work. And you sent some shockwaves through the world yesterday when we came out and recommended opposing SB10 well, in its current form. Through our small lobby world, our right? Small, <laughs> small, nerdy, nerdy. community <laughs> here. But what's the reaction been like? Um, I, I think everybody who, had a, who has had a chance to read and understand what Senate Bill 10, as approved by committee, says and does, absolutely is on our side. Right. Right. There is not a conservative that I've talked to who questions our decision to come out against the bill as approved by committee. Our folks get it. One of the challenges I've seen, though, is that some folks haven't read the bill, <laughs> which is always a challenge. And for those who haven't read the bill and instead have relied on the headlines, they have mistakenly supported it. Uh, we're trying to get in contact with those folks, really educate them on what it says, what it does, and why we think it needs to change. And, and so those efforts are underway. Now, I'm hopeful that, again, our friends and allies at the legislature are going to recognize the potential damage that this bill in its current form could do um, and, and really work to not only remove that provision, but also work to strengthen it in other ways, too, because so, believe it or not, we have other ideas that we think could improve the bill as well. And we're going to be working on those. All right. So you're a betting man. What are the odds that offending Wild West lobbyist provision gets removed? Uh, even in the best case scenario, I think we face an uphill battle. Uh, but again, that goes back to my earlier point that we are effectively picking a fight with every local government type out there and every a well-heeled Austin lobbyist. That is a tough battle. Now, fortunately, the foundation specializes in tough battles and we like picking those big fights. I actually enjoy it because- This is the happiest I've seen you all session <laughs> you know, getting ready to go fight. This is a worthy fight. Yeah. And in fact, you know, one Senator during, uh, during committee discussion asked me, you know, Mr. Quintero, you said that this was the most important uh, question before the legislature. Can you explain why? And what I told the senator was that this issue has an effect on everything else. Everything under the sun is, uh, is affected by this issue of taxpayer-funded lobbying. And so if we can get this issue right, then every other issue down the line becomes that much easier. 
and the solutions get that much better, at least from a conservative perspective. And so this is a very worthy fight. The foundation is fighting hard to get this one right. And if we don't get it right, then you know what? We sink the bill and we try again another day because it's very, very important that this be done well. That is incredibly well put. And I think by this time next week, we will know if, in fact, we have a good taxpayer-funded lobbying bill or if it has gone down in utter flames. So stay tuned. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion right here on The Chase.